cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about Elon Musk today. Uh, Tucker Carlson really put together a really nice open. We're going to play that uh, today. Uh, only because it, um, you know, if we were to take a look at the war in Ukraine and and the conflict uh, that's, you know, so important to us, uh, with regard to the struggle against globalism, um, which I think globalists are the, the worst of the worst. I think that Putin is bad, but I actually think that globalism is worse. And we see what's happening. You know, even China, for example, is calling out the globalists. China is calling out the globalists. I mean, you know, and they're full of atrocities. So they have all kinds of things that are um, uh, in play. But I think the centerpiece of Western democracy hinges in large part on what Elon Musk can do. Can do. Not will do. Can do. Uh, and it's really important that we keep an eye on that. He's going to do what he wants to do. And, you know, it's it's in God's hands, really. I mean, it's it's one of these things where we just have to hope and pray that these things evolve the way they do. And, you know, someone in the State Department or somewhere else in government would laugh at the statements I'm making saying, oh, it's a Twitter, you know, they downplay it. But you better believe that they're they're in ultra panic mode. We are at a place right now. We are at a point in our history where where the Democrats have openly endorsed this this censorship and openly endorsed what a nightmare it would be to bring back someone like Juanita Broderick or or Donald Trump or. And any one of these people that gets cut off of Twitter. 
And many of you I know uh, don't under don't uh, not not don't understand. That's that was a mistake, but don't appreciate Twitter maybe the way I do or some people do. Elon Musk, you know, is basically saying Twitter is a battlefield for him, and that and he said this years ago, and that um, you know that right now with his potential takeover of Twitter, it is a. Uh, it is causing panic within the halls of Twitter. And it got to me thinking, it got got me to thinking about Trump. And you say, okay, well, Trump, man, this is going to be, this going to upset the apple card. And he did. And you go, Trump, wow, this is going to be great. The great press conferences, the entertainment value, the straight shooting. And all these different things that, that he brought to the table before he was president. I said, I could just see him trying to pass the bill and there's three or four holdouts and he's just going to tweet the heck out of them. And he's going to make make their lives a living hell. And it's going to be one of those things that's going to be very difficult for these politicians to hide. And sure enough, that's exactly what Trump did. Trump called them to the carpet, left and right, hook and center. And what ended up happening is we got a lot of things done. We we got the wall being built. He needed $6 billion. He couldn't even get that. They're spending $6 billion on the border through COVID relief funds for consultants, doing nothing but pushing papers, bloviating, making a bunch of people with uh, you know job security rich it's just absolutely uh, you know government as usual and twitter is no different twitter's as big as some small countries and you know the thing is is that i could just see this nose-ringed now now i understand though speaking of nose rings i understand what Jack Dorsey was up against because there's a lot of things that Jack Dorsey said and stood for. And when you compare him to his predecessor, or not his predecessor, his successor, whose name escapes me, but Jack Dorsey was really a gem when it comes to compared to the culture at Twitter. Now, you can make the argument and you could say that he, he groomed that. But he groomed it because that the board censors you as well. You know, I uh, I had a friend, um, a close friend in Philly who worked at Penn. And I, I remember this story like it was yesterday, but it was 2004. And I kept my politics close to the vest in her circles. And I kept kept it really quiet. And I'll never forget this, though. We were all out. We were walking from a restaurant and all of her elite friends who are finance professors who write for the New York Times now and all these different intellectuals, they um, found out through a friend of mine who was a liberal and everyone in that circle was left wing as hell. Left, left wing is radical, really left wing. And they used to have us over their house and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, 
They found out that I was supporting George Bush in 2004. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> I didn't know then what a global. Well, I did know what I actually did know he was a globalist. But never invited back to their house again. They, they couldn't believe I supported uh, the Iraq war when I did. They, they could not believe where my pol- politics were. And I was supposed to go on a bike ride with this person, you know, cycling. Uh, we had these road bikes, you know, we, we'd go like 70 miles, 80 miles. And I said, does this mean we're not going to ride together anymore? And he said, that's for sure. <laughs> so we never spoke again. Unbelievable. That happened in 2004. In 2004, I had a yellow ribbon on my car. And I would go to get my car, and it would be egged. I once uh, went to, and I had a Lexus, and my car also had a key down the side, <clears throat> and um, different things like that. One time, the magnet was replaced; the yellow ribbon to support our troops uh, was replaced by some sort of a black barbed uh, ribbon. And I only bring up that memory lane story. To tell you this is not new, this has been going on for a long time, these guerrilla tactics, these fear-mongering. You know, and the thing is, is that when I still talk to that same friend, who I'm still friends with the uh, one person, um, but it was her circle of friends from the Ivy League school that were intolerant as hell, just intolerant. But it was this friend, you know, that I spoke with just the other day has no problem with the censorship and right away refers to things with conspiracy theory, this and that. The difference between a conspiracy thing, uh, theory and the truth is about, what, six months. You know, the idea is this, you know, and, and God bless her, I love her, but, you know, the thing is, is that it's, that the, the politics is so weird. This person's a smart person, and yet they find themselves, and they don't even realize themselves, and this is why I'm tying this to Jack Dorsey. They don't even understand themselves what they're actually doing because they've been groomed. There, I said it. I said the word groomed. But they have been groomed. They have been groomed, and they've been, they don't even know that they've been groomed. Because, see, I've been wrestling with this problem, this question, this lingering question, for I can't tell you how long. Because it's a mystery to me. I can't understand it. I cannot figure it out. To just say they're stupid is ridiculous. You know, that's not, that's not really true. I know these people to be really smart people, super successful people. I don't know if it's guilt you know, I, I have a, um, some Jewish friends who are, who are liberals, and I hear uh, other Jewish people say it's Jewish guilt. You know, I, I don't know if it's guilt, you know, over what happened uh, theoretically, or, or not theoretically, but they want to spin the story that the Republic, they don't give the Republicans enough credit for our black history. Because I think that the Republicans did more to help black people than the Democrats ever dreamed of doing. The Democrats only exploited 
their victimization is optimism, uh, 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 an opportunity. And they've done it with every other group. Which brings me also to the next point, which is that we're not just fighting this war in Ukraine or we're just not fighting this war about censorship in social media and big tech. And we're not just fighting this war against the pandemic and and big pharma. What we are doing is we are fighting not only these wars against Dr. Fauci and and the globalists and the censors and the two standards of justice. I mean, we're learning more and more about this kidnapping hoax out of the FBI, right? And so we're learning all of this stuff, and it's just mind-boggling. The Russian hoax, the Ukrainian hoax, the kidnapping, Jussie Smollett, uh, Bubba Wallace, and the noose in NASCAR. Wherever they touch, whatever they touch, they ruin. They just ruin it. Can't have cheerleaders, got to have queers now in the end zone, dancing around, prancing around. It's got to be transgender this and LBGDQ that. And we're, we have these uh, tapes, videos, clips everywhere coming out of the woodwork. I was watching a Netflix series, and by the way, I, I did boycott Netflix there for a while. But, you know, I was watching this series, I had to turn it off. It was a, a, um, a series based on Hollywood in the, in the 40s, 40s, I think it was. And every scene, it just, it just reminded me of like an America that I didn't recognize. It's all they wanted to do was just make it a gay fest. And I'm like, okay, this works for the gay community, but I'm not part of that community. But God bless them. They have every right to speak and every right to act and every right to do. And I'm not standing in their way. But, you know, I'm not also going to spend my tax dollars and make them a political movement so they could support a candidate that wants to destroy Americans' Judaic Christian values and replace God with government. I mean, I'm just not going to support it. Just like I don't want to actually use my tax dollars to support Planned Parenthood, who's rich enough already. And I can go on and on with this. You know, this is the thing the Democrats play hardball. The Democrats are taking your money out of your pocket, and you're conservative, and you disagree with them. But somehow they've figured out a way to take your money and put it in their pockets and advance their agenda. I can't even name one case where it's the other way, where the Democrats actually are paying their taxes and those taxes are going toward something good for America. I think maybe you could say the wall, but that was a bipartisan effort. Everybody and their brother at one point said the wall was good. And and not only that, but the wall itself protects all Americans. So there is a difference. And so I cannot figure out exactly what political agenda where the Republicans have figured out a way to take money out of the Democrats' pockets and put them into their cause that only helps them and supports them. Can you think of one? I can't. 
But the, the Democrats have managed to do it with just about every single issue. So how, is, how do you like that? You know, you're basically paying for your opponent. If you're in a boxer, if you're a boxer or a fighter, you're paying for their training camp to, make, to, to help them. You're giving them tips on how to beat you. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I bring all this up because Donald Trump failed to a certain degree. He was successful, but he failed. He was great, as great as he possibly could be. And I don't think anybody could have done it better. And so I'm not, you know, dissing Trump. I am going to diss Trump when it comes to his endorsements lately. And I don't even know what that's about yet. I haven't really peeled that onion and figured that out. Dr. Oz or or this uh, Morgan Ortega and so many others. J.D. Vance, you know, all these people we've talked about. It's scary. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know why Marjorie Taylor Greene and Steve Cortez and... And um, Steve Bannon all endorsed J.D. Vance, who who I happen to know is a rhino that will align himself with Mitt Romney and who supported Evan McMullen against Donald Trump and, and bashed Donald Trump. And you could say the same thing about Lindsey Graham, but we all know Lindsey Graham plays dirty politics. He had leverage. He has a lot of muscle. Lindsey Graham is a tough guy. He's got tough leverage, and he'll ruin your life if you step in front of him. I guarantee you there's videotape somewhere that's going to come out about Lindsey Graham acting like a mob boss in the back of a limousine. He may cry to the public, but he is a boss, and he is a bad dude. And I think it's the reason why I think that he had that leverage. He exploited, he played, he used the Democrats in the House when they came up with rigged impeachment against Donald Trump. That was all the leverage that Lindsey Graham needed over Trump. And I think he made a deal with the Democrats to say, I will rein this guy in because it's going to take somebody from our side, he's going to tell you. Lindsey Graham's going to get take somebody from our side, someone with a lot of muscle, a lot of connections. And basically, he's going to reel Trump in because the adversaries couldn't do it, but Lindsey Graham could. And I think Lindsey Graham was instrumental in getting some of these appointments in place, like Christopher Ray or Gina Haspel, to cover up the misdeeds and misdoings of their shenanigans in Ukraine back in, uh, in 2014, 15, 16, the bioweapons trade, the Burisma holdings, and all the corruption in between, the arms for oil, oil for human trafficking, which... Um, Ukraine is known to be a human trafficking uh, hub. It, uh, Ukraine is also known to be a money laundering country. And it's clear as crystal that Zelensky has taken millions, if not over a billion, to, to grease his palms and put money offshore. He's one of the richest. And then someone said to me on Facebook, well, Putin's worse. Putin has it. Hey, no one's supporting Putin either. But you know what? 
I would at least like to know what my adversary is saying, but they want to censor him just like they want to censor Trump. They're treating Putin like they're treating Trump. They're treating, they're treating t- the Taliban better than they're treating Trump and Putin. You know, the thing is, is that anytime you censor, and they do the same thing, but anytime you censor, who's really in control? If you have the power to censor an entire country and a guy like Putin, if you have a, 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 the opportunity to do that and shut down their side of the equation when it comes to communications, guess what? You're not, you're not losing. You're in power. You're in charge. It just so happens, though, that Putin is going to get everything he wants. He's going to get Maripol. He's going to control the seas, the Azon Sea. He's going to control the Black Sea. He's going to control Crimea. It's a foregone conclusion that these globalists don't know what hit them because their political agenda is so extreme and so ridiculous. So extreme and so ridiculous that they can't see the forest from the trees. They bit off way more than they can true. Yes, they control all the money through BlackRock and Vanguard. And yes, they control your borders. And yes, they control your behavior. And yes, they control um, your incarceration or your you know, political dissidence. We used to actually say about Cuba things that we're actually seeing in our country right now. And the things that we're seeing in China are just absolute atrocities. And it's disturbing. We're going to get to that Tucker Carlson clip uh, about Elon Musk later, a little bit later. I want, I, want you to, I, want you, I want you to hear this one. This was something I took off of this Charlie Kirk uh, show. And it was actually quite good. Um, there was a lot of good things that Charlie Kirk's been doing lately. Uh, that, that I've always been a big fan of Charlie Kirk. But check this out. Sure. All of our cell phones put off a a set of signals. They're mostly hidden. So what's the code? In fact, if you look on your phone, if you type in... Listen to this code and try it yourself. Listen to the code. Star pound zero six pound. It's in everybody's phone. Zero six pound. pound. Okay. The code was star pound... Zero six pound. Just type that into your phone. Star pound zero six pound. That's your identity. They're going to put that in your arm one day. You may as well tattoo it onto your skin permanently because you're never going to get rid of it. No, it's a phone. And I'm telling you, these, these electronics are a real problem. Let's take a listen. Pound, okay. Did the numbers come up? Like that? Nope. Start in your phone like you're going to call somebody. Oh, I'm sorry. Like okay. You're gonna, yeah. Like, just okay. like you're going to call somebody. Star pound zero six pound. Like that? Oh, wow. Okay. So all of those numbers are unique to your phone. No matter what. So even if you... Wow. That's amazing. And and those numbers then are emitted uh, that's with... Incredible. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And That's those so are cool. all tagged to apps on your phone. So this is like a f- fingerprint. That's it right. Is. Unique to you, non it cannot be replicated. That's right. And so my this is my device ID, this is all of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so based on that information, what do we know? There's three there's 300,000 or so apps that collect that information. 
there's 27,000 apps that collected on a prolific basis. So, uh, like the the Weather Channel app or um, any of your or social Facebook. media apps. Facebook is, any oh, of your social it's, is media it pinging? Apps. Is that right? It's mm -hmm. it's emitting a signal, and inside the signal there are several things. First of all, it's the lat long, like where are we on the Earth, right? So my phone's my phone's right there, and it can drill down into about 18 inch an 18, 18 inch inches a dynamic. Dynam so they'll be able to see. Greg, Charlie, and Catherine are here at our studio having a chat. Yes. Absolutely. At this time, yes. right? So it's, it's Absolutely. Latin long time and... And, and elevation. <laughs> on the first floor. So, so are we on the first floor? Are we on the second floor? Where are we? And if you combine all of those and then add time to it, we can then build the pattern of life around it. So I came from a different building. You guys came from a meeting. Right. And then you can kind of just trace the pings, right? Right. Yeah, and this is all inspired also by a thing called a metaverse. Metaverse. It's a word you're going to hear. It's what it's the reason why Facebook renamed their name from Facebook to Meta. Because and it's a gaming community. It starts off as gaming, like Twitch is supposed to be gaming. But the thing is is that these virtual realities are going to become realities. People are literally going to be able to and the way they do it is they allow you to make money off of it. So gambling, for example, is a good example of that, where all this virtual money becomes real money at some point. And they can control, they could rig. It, it's unbelievable. But this virtual reality is where, you know, like, um, you know, uh, SimCity, you know, all that stuff. So basically you could, you know, uh, invest in the gym. You can in, uh, save your money. You can buy a building. You you could set up a shop. It's sort of like the game of Monopoly. The decisions you make have an impact on your bottom line. But you know, there's a lot of this. And um, let's take a look at this one, the World Economic Forum. Let's take a listen to this. Well. This is, uh, yeah, this is not an audio. This is, um, it says users will have their blood screened at an improved COVID pass laboratory. Okay. And, um, yeah, this is not going to be presenting well on the radio. But uh, in any case, it says World Economic Forum, just send us your literal blood containing your entire genetic code in order to move from place to place, we promise we won't do anything bad with it, right? And um, again, I'm going to play this clip. Uh, oh, and then I want to play this clip of China actually calling out. China's calling out um, gl the globalists. Uh, so if you think I overdo it with globalism and an my anti-globalism position, uh I, I noted some strategists said U.S. has played a role of the number one arsonist in the conflict. It ignited the flames of war and left the trouble in Europe. The Russia-Ukraine crisis, to a large extent, is a result of Western arrogance and mistakes. Takes over the last 30 plus years, and NATO's eastward expansion is the root cause of the ongoing conflict. I noted. Yeah, and Putin has already said, you know, this whole thing with Finland and Sweden is is really presenting a huge, huge problem. Um, 
But this, you know, this this idea where they could force feed you, force everything to you, uh, is just showing zero respect for your liberties. Your and and, and the sad news is the Democrats, they um, they don't care. You know, they're not. Um, well, I'm trying to find this uh, clip, but they don't care. You know, they'll just let it go. They'll just let it let it fester. Um, they'll just let it go as if it's if it's as if it doesn't lead to anything else. So, what I was saying about my professor friend, also, um, you know, at Penn, was they were afraid to speak up. They don't even know that they're being groomed. They're afraid to speak up. They're afraid to say anything. And they don't even know that it's fear. I think that they just think that somehow they're just going to accept it because I can tell that those people also were very, very secretive. And and you wonder why. It's like all you're doing is, you know, teaching kids, right? That's I mean, that that's really what ultimately what you're doing. But that's not really... You know, that wasn't really the case. Oh, here is the here is the clip. I'm going to play this clip. I played it earlier this week, but I'm going to play this clip. This um, this woman, her name is, she's she's Norwegian, and uh, she has this uh, thing called Black, uh, Black Box TV. Um, it's spelled differently, though. Um, her name is Eva Vlardinger Brock. Young, pretty blonde. Um, she seems too young to be so smart, uh, and too. <laughs> she's really pretty too. But no, this is this is. Um, I she has been giving great speeches over in Europe, and she is becoming a leader when it comes to this uh, this subject. That I think is you know once it's done, it's too late. And uh, that this is why I think that the Elon Musk thing that we're going to tackle today is so important. But let's take a listen to um, this woman. By the way, her news, I've checked it out. Her news site is not that nice, but it's blckbx.tv, blackbox.tv. It's it's okay. You know, it's nothing to brag about. It's in written in Dutch, and you can translate it to English. But um, in any case, what she has to say, I've heard her give some other speeches that were much longer um, and be, you know, before a live audience, and the things that she she was saying blew me away. Uh, there are actually things we say here on this show quite a bit, but I mean, she she's over there giving speeches. I think really where you know it matters in the in the lion's den. It's sort of like when we put our billboard up in Times Square, in your face, Red State Talk Radio, Scott Adams Show, Conservative Voices. Uh, right in the heart of you know liberalism, well, she's right in the mix of globalism, and she's given these speeches. I just think it, it takes on a different level of context. Um, but here, let's take a listen to this uh, Eva Vlardinger Brook, and I'm going to spell this last name V L A A R D I N G E R B R O E K. So Vlardinger. Brooke, uh, Vlardinger Brooke, and uh, her first name's Eva, and um, if you want to look her up, she, she on YouTube, she has some really great speeches that, that are inspiring. Also, 
that radio, that uh, not radio, television station that I recommend, it's out of India, uh, W-I-O-N, W-I-O-N, uh, on YouTube. Really great content. Uh, really love that. And also, just while we're at it, um, before I continue here, I, I get a lot of my news. I like um, the nationalpulse.com, the nationalpulse.com. <clears throat> I like revolvernews.com. I uh, also like the Federalist. I love uh, America Greatness, amgreatness.com. Uh, AM Greatness, The Federalist. Uh, there's another one um, that's also very good that you may not have ever heard of. It's called thestatesman.com. The Statesman. And if you want to know where I get a lot of my news from, uh, I would say The Statesman, The National Pulse, Revolver News, The Federalist, America Greatness. Um, but there's also other good publications like you know, the Washington Examiner sometimes has some good stuff. Um, I have a few friends over there, uh, but uh, I think they're a little too middle of the road for me. Um, I like a little bit of uh, uh, an international influence in my politics. Um, but in any case, let's take a listen to uh, Eva Vlardingerbrook. These people are aware of the fact that our constitutional rights are being set aside without an end date and that we're heading towards a new system, a tyrannical regime of mass surveillance and control. And this is not just a hunch. This is all part of a bigger plan. This is something people who are watching right now can actually go and look up. Um, what's very important for the American audience to know is, is that we've had this digital COVID pass in place in Europe, which is basically like a QR code on your phone that grants you access to everyday life, like to bars, restaurants, etc. It's completely bind to your VAX status. And this is all part of a European project issued by the European Commission that is basically surrounded around this idea of a European digital identity. So this will not stay just linked to your vaccination status. This will encompass taxes. This will encompass your medical records apart from your vaccination status, your bank information. So basically, we already have a system in place right now that is very close, or at least reminds us of the beginning phases of a social credit system. We are literally turning into China. Yeah, except China is actually, in some ways, I mean, the thing that China is doing with COVID right now, it's kind of interesting. Um, the And what they've done to the Uyghurs, you know, look, I'm not giving China a pass. I know what tyrannical dictators they are. And, and and I also thought it was a strange statement that Justin Trudeau would say, hey, you know, in some ways I'm envious about China because, you know, dictatorships are just so, you know, efficient and clean. Get things done. You know, their way, not your way. And you better believe that these algorithms that they're going to write up with this social credit score system are going to be written up just like, just like the algorithms written up by Google and Twitter and Facebook, they're going to be convenient in terms of a political agenda and philosophy. They're going to be written up. These algorithms are not going to be fair and neutral, but they are going to set the standard as to what our culture can say, do, think, and feel. 
And this grooming that's going on over at Netflix with transgender this and, and LBGTQ that is all part of it. And we're not just waging a war that's surrounding us, the one that we can see tangibly, like I said in the beginning of this show. It's involving our future, folks. The reason why they're going after your five-year-olds isn't because everyone's a pedophile, although there's more pedophilia in this country than I ever thought. I've never seen it. I... I long for a long time thought it was just an over-exaggeration. Now I'm understanding, no, there's a whole world culture underneath this. Call me naive, call me innocent, I don't know, but it's disgusting. But listen, the fact is, is that it's not just about the sicko pedophilia, okay? It's, it's about grooming the next generation of voters, And I can already tell you that I have relatives that are in their 20s that look at the whole concept of trans and LBGTQ differently than my generation does. And I'm a pretty open-minded guy, right? I mean, I'm open-minded. And, you know, frankly, I kind of love the the approach that uh, Trump's... uh, uh, active uh, acting director of DN um, of national intelligence ODNI um, Rick Grinnell who we used to, we've had on this show before he's openly gay but you know what he he even and you know one thing you could say about Caitlin Kay, uh, or Bruce Jenner is they even think it's it's too much you know they understand uh, like Bruce is a trans, Rick Grinnell is a, uh, openly gay. And they understand the burdens that these things come with for people that aren't in power or don't have money. They understand the psychological uh, deficits that some of these people have that lend itself to suicide rates being higher because they're confused individuals for one reason or another. I, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. But what I will say is that there's a lot of things, you know, like when you talk about, you know, as uh, Charlie Kirk had this really great uh, banter with this uh, college student, and they were talking about, you know, black crime and black incarceration. And of course, you know, Charlie Kirk talks about what, you know, what really makes sense. And this is something we've known for de- decades single parent home rates, right? It lends itself to that. But the Democrats don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about victimization. And they want to exploit the, the, the... They're not doing anything to correct the problem. They're not doing anything about trying to figure out how to get the family nucleus and unit into back into church and back into their community and to have you know some self-worth, get a job, and really contribute to community. But by giving, uh, you, you can actually receive. You know, it's a very Christian way. And not only that, you know, like I say, uh, last year I almost lost my life to uh, this uh, spine injury that I had. And um, frankly, you know, I, I came out of that whole tr- tr- struggle. It's, it wasn't a tragedy, but it was a super struggle for me. Um 
I came out of that with more gratitude, not less gratitude. I'm grateful to be alive. But, you know, it's it's all these things, you know. But but giving a handout and doing all these things that the Democrats want to do in exploitation, they're buying up illegal migrants. They're buying up refugees. They're buying up LBGTQ and trans, even when it doesn't make any sense. They're lying to you about the statistics and portraying them as if they're 50% of society. And they're not. It's gaslighting. It's PSYOPs. It's MK... Well, I don't want to use MK Ultra, but it's PSYOPs. It's tricking you into thinking that somehow this is more normal than it really is. And it shouldn't be. And, you know, my only beef and grief is, you know, why not talk about the things that are good for society and just um, and push the other aside, um, you know, and let, let nature take its course. If it's, if it's really that prevalent, if you're really born that way, then it shouldn't be a problem. Hey, caller, you're on the air. Hey, hey Scott, how's it going, man? Uh, Lance out of Austin again. Hey, I, uh, I, I just want to take a minute to call in because uh, something you were talking about just a few minutes ago, actually, when you were talking about the COVID samples, and, and, it, and it, it inspired me to remember something that, and I don't remember the name of the act or the, um, you know, the actual program, but uh, I think this was post 9-11 where AT&T was allowed uh, to use the NSA like spying program on our, on our phone systems to sample voice, voices because they needed like so many trillions of voice samples to create the Alexa and the Siri uh, voice recognition software. Now, what would they need all of our genetic samples for? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking a product line. I'm thinking the next thing they got coming out, like, you know, uh, they've been doing stem cell research. They have, uh, the, like, the personal uh, sex robots. I'm thinking grow your own Scarlett Johansson. To be more specific, I mean, please. And then we got... Uh, like, we got... If they got that much genetic... Much, if they need all these different genetic samples to do some type of research or to find a way to manipulate our DNA and our tissue and yeah. all that stuff. Maybe I see a medical point to it, but I also see a product line can grow your... Uh, oh, there always does. is, yeah. We live in a capitalist society, but it seems like the only ones in control are the people, the folks over at BlackRock and Vanguard. So, you know, it's all going to go to them anyway. <laughs> you know, there's everything be... just seems to have like an advertising campaign element to it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. After the next crisis. No, that's a really interesting observation. I'm going to peel that onion and look into it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, we have, we I have can't a clip. remember all the specifics. We have a Tucker Carlson clip I have to play before I run out of time. Oh, good. Good. Thank you, sir. Great. Thank all you. Right. I love your show. Bye. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay. All right. We're going to go ahead and play this, Tucker. He's going to talk about Elon Musk. I just thought his opening was so great. And again, I think this this last frontier, this Twitter thing, you know, it's amazing when you hear that the Democrats are fighting tooth and nail for free speech against, you know, against free speech. You know, it's unbelievable. But I think this is the most important fight that we have going on right now. Let's take a listen there been, look back, a single 24-hour period since Joe Biden became the president when you haven't been horrified by something you saw on the news? Probably not. The cascade of absurdities has been relentless. It's like nothing any American has ever seen. And today, we're sad to say, was especially depressing. Inflation hit another record high, 
And that's according to the cooked government statistics our leaders have devised to hide inflation. But it turns out there's no hiding the price of meat and gas. The value of the dollar has dropped off a cliff, even as the value of the Russian ruble is rising. So ponder that for a moment and chuckle bitterly to yourself. And then in New York City this morning, 16 people were shot on the subway in Brooklyn by some lunatic wearing a hoodie. And yet somehow none of the many surveillance cameras in the subway station happened to be working at the time. So the guy got away. We do know he was not a white supremacist, so we're betting the media are not going to dwell on this. There's nothing to gain from covering this particular atrocity, just another mass shooting in a big city. It's also sad. But mayhem and economic decline are not for once what we are opening the show with tonight. No, we have genuinely good news. And here it is. It looks possible that Elon Musk will seize control of Twitter and end censorship on that platform. Now, why should you care about that? It's like a tech story, right? Who cares about social media? Here's why you should care. Because if that were to happen, we could see a return of free speech to the United States. And nothing should give you more hope than that possibility. A free Twitter would mean an open debate about ideas on the single most important incubator of elite opinion in the world. It would mean a return to free and fair elections in the United States, a system in which both sides are allowed to make their case to the public, and then the public can decide. It's called democracy. And above all, a free Twitter would mean a direct challenge to the people in charge of our country's institutions, many of whom are incompetent. For the first time in years, we will be able to talk honestly about our leaders. We'll be able to have the kind of conversations that make democracy possible. We can't have those conversations now, and there's a reason for it. The point of censorship is never to shield the weak, no matter what Barack Obama may tell you. The point of censorship, always and everywhere, is to protect entrenched power. That's why it's the powerful who impose censorship for their own benefit. And that's exactly why illegitimate regimes fight so hard to control information through censorship. That's their main concern. Why are they so focused on that? That's why. Somehow, the right does not seem to understand this. The left definitely understands it. Watch this MSNBC anchor appear to realize in real time what it would mean if the Democratic Party's donor base ever lost control of an influential social media platform. And the bigger question on everyone's mind now, will Musk's newfound Twitter power mean Trump will be back on the platform? And on that possibly nightmare-inducing note, I wish you a good night. It would be a nightmare, she tells us, if a democratically elected president were allowed to speak in public. And in some ways, she's right. Shattering its monopoly on speech could break the Democratic Party. Even an MSNBC anchor understands that. Why are they so determined to keep you from talking? Because they know your talking is the threat to their power. Allowing the free exchange of ideas in America's public square is far more important than any single election result. And if you don't believe it, consider what we've just seen over the past two years. You can elect Donald Trump if you want. Go ahead and do it. But the Democratic Party can still silence Donald Trump at will. So what does that tell you? Who's more powerful, voters or the social media companies that control what voters know? It's not even close. Republicans in Congress pretend not to understand this. Maybe they really are that stupid. Possible. Doesn't matter because either way they will never fix it. Ever. They've had a chance. They passed. Even Jack Dorsey, who created Twitter, could not end censorship on Twitter. And so in the end, Jack Dorsey fled his own company when it became a Frankenstein monster that made America more hierarchical rather than less 
a company that served the powerful at the expense of everyone else. That was the opposite of the intended effect. So he just left. He had no choice. Elon Musk, virtually alone in the entire technology industry, appears to understand what exactly is happening here. Here's Musk in 2018, appearing on 60 Minutes, acknowledging that in a world of corporate media, Twitter can act as an equalizer. Watch. You tweet a lot. I, I use my tweets to express myself. <laughs> Some people use their hair. I use Twitter. Well, but you use your tweeting to, to kind of get back at critics. You Rarely. Have, you kind of have little wars with the press. Twitter is a war zone. If somebody's going to jump in the war zone, it's like, okay, you're in the arena. Let's go. Okay. Who does that sound like? I don't know. Who's it sound like? It sounds like a guy who lives at the White House. Oh, that guy. Yeah, sure. He's very good at Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is a war zone. Now, that tape is from three and a half years ago. Twitter is no longer a war zone. There's only one army on the field. Donald Trump has been banned for Twitter, despite the fact he may run in the next presidential race. He's an active politician. With millions of people who would support him, he's been banned. Charlie Kirk had a huge following on Twitter. He's been suspended, too. So has the Babylon Bee. And for that matter, this show has been suspended. Questioning the prevailing storyline is the crime. Do that and you're gone. It doesn't matter if you're factually right. We were factually right. Doesn't matter. Challenge power and you are censored instantly. Now, it's hard to believe that the world's richest man is the only person who could fix this. You'd like to think our democratic systems could fix it, but clearly they can't. So Elon Musk seems to be our last hope. And tonight there are signs that Elon Musk plans to do something big with Twitter. Buying 9% of the company was clearly more than an investment. He doesn't need the money. Last week, after Musk became Twitter's single biggest shareholder, Twitter's management announced that he would join their board of directors. The seat would come with two major restrictions. First, Musk would be barred from owning more than 15% of Twitter stock. He would not be allowed to control the company. Second, as a board member, Elon Musk would have a fiduciary duty to shareholders. And in real terms, that means he could not reveal Twitter's algorithms. He couldn't tell the public what they are. Now, those algorithms are used to censor and suppress effective critics of the Biden administration, very often without their knowledge. It's done in secret. You can't fight back. You don't even know what's happening. So he could not challenge that if he took a board seat. But this weekend, Musk abruptly pulled out of the deal. And that means he's free to buy more shares of Twitter. In fact, to control it. On Sunday night, Twitter's pro-censorship CEO, Prague Agarwal, told Twitter employees to brace for Musk's attempt at a hostile takeover. He also strongly implied that Twitter will not submit unless forced. Quote, there will be distractions ahead, but our goals and priorities remain unchanged. So you have to ask yourself, how exactly would Twitter, which is a public company, fight off a hostile takeover from the richest guy in the world? And already you can see the strategy to keep Elon Musk at bay. First, Twitter is enlisting the help of corporate media. Now, corporate media stands to lose at least as much as the Democratic Party will lose if Twitter is liberated. Competition is terrible for the mediocre and the illegitimate. So MSNBC understands this intuitively, even the airheads who read the scripts on the air. And so they were the first to answer the call. What did they do? You know exactly what they did. They did what they always do. They called Elon Musk a racist. Watch. Fear not, right-wingers. Another bro-fascist is waiting in the wings to defend your right to spew bile online in the name of free speech. And that is coming up next. He is 
building in Tesla, a documentedly racist company uh, that perhaps reminds him, uh, gives him nostalgic memories of apartheid South Africa where he grew up. He's more than that, an embodiment of what I would say is Twitter's biggest strategic problem, which is a hostile, cruel, uh, dangerous online environment, especially for women, especially for people of color, women of color in particular. <laughs> we, can, we can bore you with a rebuttal to the ludicrous explanation you just heard, but it's not necessary. If you have an IQ above room temperature, you laugh at it. That's the lowest brow propaganda possible. It's all MSNBC is capable of. He's a racist. Ignore him. But at the Washington Post, they served up something slightly different, a little more stealthy. They enlisted the former CEO of Reddit, an activist mediocrity called Ellen Pow, who couldn't manage to actually run Reddit, to write an op-ed with this title, quote, Elon Musk's vision of free speech will be bad for Twitter. <laughs> and then the piece contained this line. Now, this line doesn't so much reveal a lack of self-awareness as it does commit murder against the entire concept they're trying to support. And here's what it is, quote, Musk's appointment to Twitter's board shows that we need regulation of social media platforms to prevent rich people from controlling our channels of communication. Now, once again, this ran in the Washington Post, a paper that apparently unbeknownst to the editors who work there is owned by billionaire oligarch Jeff Bezos, China's biggest retailer, and used as his personal platform to lobby the federal government and settle scores. So Jeff Bezos can own the only news gathering operation in your nation's capital and use it for business and ideological ends, but the idea of letting average people say what they want on Twitter is a threat to democracy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think that's hilarious, you should read the piece in The Guardian. It was written by former Labor Secretary Robert Reich, well, Stalinist, quote, Elon Musk's vision for the Internet is dangerous nonsense. And the subhead sub read this way, quote, Musk has long advocated for a libertarian vision of an uncontrolled Internet. That's also the dream of every dictator, strongman and demagogue. <laughs> right. So what? Dictators, strongmen, and demagogues want is the people over whom they rule to say whatever they want and to challenge their power. That's kind of the way dictatorships work. Isn't that right, Robert Reich? The funny thing is Robert Reich is a lifelong leftist now pushing 80. You can imagine the Robert Reich of, say, 1970 when he was a little... And he goes on and he talks about CNN. We're running out of time here, but... Uh you know, you get you, you heard the bulk of that. And uh, I got to tell you, this is an opportunity that we must go after and seize. Um, but it's up to Elon Musk. And uh, with that, you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out my Substack over at scottadamshow.substack.com. We're adding some premium content. We're going to be getting there. We're a little bit behind. Um, but it's happening. And uh, with that, also be sure to use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And uh, also check out Megapack.org. Make a donation if you can. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.